the actual interesting bit is not who murdered Rem. Tem, Tem, with a T. Uh, Tem, what did I say? You said Rem. You said Rem. (laughs) (laughs) The best lamb boy. Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I am your host, Andy, and with me is Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. We are doing a quick tween on the Beastars Season 2, as promised in the last episode. Um, as we were all big fans of Season 1, uh, and so we thought, well, this show has so many themes and so many things going on with it. So, um, start off, let's just do a brief recap. We also, um, Jeff was not in the last uh, last uh, tweens, but since then he's watched all of season one mm-hmm. and then blasted straight through season two. So, um, Jeff, what, do you mind taking it away on season one? Yeah. So, all right. So, season one was about primarily the love triangle between Rui, uh, the deer, the red deer, uh, Lagoshi, the gray wolf, and Haru, the dwarf rabbit. Lagoshi is one of the bigger uh, carnivores in the school that they attend, and the like. The number one top rank of the school is the B Star, which it has a strange sort of symbolic meaning in the world that they never really go into. Lagoshi is a a gray wolf who very much does not really want to be a carnivore. Uh, there is Rui, the red uh, deer, who resents uh, Lagoshi's uh, for his strength because he, we find out, grew up in the sort of like meat-eating underworld of the of the show, and has sort of internalized the weakness of the herbivore life and wants to overcome it. And then there is Paru, the dwarf rabbit, who's small even for uh, a herbivore, who also is sort of alienated from her own kind and seeks, you know, warmth and companionship from primarily, you know, from a lot of the other students, but primarily from these two and is drawn to their sort of weird conflict. And these three sort of, uh, uh, sort of rotate around a, like a, a murder mystery that sort of, face the background in the first season uh, where one of the students is devoured uh, by another student on campus and the conflict that that sort of ignites in the two primary sort of social groups of the show, uh, carnivores and herbivores. Like the the dynamic is not sort of like a straight one-to-one for any sort of like real world uh, like social dynamic. And, you know, the first season sort of, you know, explores Lagoshi struggling with his nature, you know, sort of getting drawn into the underworld because they're, you know, in this world, you know, in polite society, carnivores don't eat meat, but there is, of course, a biological imperative to do so. And there is a, you know, crime is mostly sort of explored in this world as people who, you know, carnivores who still eat meat, you know, they're basically like stealing bodies from morgues or like from hospitals, things like that, or they are just killing people and devouring them, which is, you know, sort of, you know, akin to murder, but also sort of akin to rape in a lot of ways. 
Um, yeah, because yeah, it's notable that the the meat district is also the red light district, and they're not mm-hmm. not shy about making that observation. Um, and that's something they go into more in the second season as well. Yeah, and and yeah, like plot wise, like Haru gets snapped up by the meat eating yakuza, the Shishigumi, you know, a bunch of lions who are gonna like eat her and also do bad sex things to her, of course. Uh, uh, Lagoshi, you know, uses his wolf strength for once to protect her and rescue her, whereas Ruiz sort of, you know, it, it intends to sacrifice himself to help them both, but ultimately you know ends up killing the the shishigumi boss and then like literal seconds of the first season is ruiz somehow not being killed by the rest of the lion yakuza and then season two sort of explains why that is the case the thing i remember the most about also season one was was the um final sort of relationship arc with lagoshi and haru where they're very much like like Lagoshi loves her and they're in a sort of strange kind of like stalemate relationship. They try to be intimate, doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, instead sort of like confess love, but they don't really go to any sort of physical connection, but there's still like an, clearly an emotional connection between them. Yeah. Ooh, one thing I should bring up that I forgot, the way Haru and Lagoshi meet is that Lagoshi gets a whiff of her, his instincts take over, and he nearly kills her in the same way mm-hmm. that the other student has been killed. And at first, you know, she doesn't realize it's him, but then as they grow together emotionally, there is, like, you know, a desire for a physical bond. And again, you know, being eaten by Lagoshi and being loved like uh, by Lagoshi are sort of, like, conflated and, you know... In both cases, like Lagoshi is afraid of consummating either one of them, and a lot mm. of season two is Lagoshi trying to get himself to a place where he can be with Haru. The interesting thing about season two is it then starts off reminding you that Tem got murdered, mm-hmm. uh, and, then, <laughs> and then was like, "Oh, whoever solves the murder is going to be the next B star." And then it's just like that double whammy of like, "Oh yeah, that's why it's called B stars," and then also like, "Oh okay, so so they now want to like." resolve this murder because Tem's murder in season one was sort of like the mood piece right it, yeah. it, it's what kicked off everything off it, it, in many ways it reminded me of sort of Twin Peaks in that it, it was more just the mood piece to sort of get you into the fiction and into the world and then for them to so like strangely like nail it down like no 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 you're gonna find out who did it like I, I thought that was like a really weird change in tone and then also I don't know how you guys felt well, about that. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the introduction of uh, Six Eyes. The school's somewhat, uh, we'd, we would have to assume at this point, incompetent security guard, um, <laughs> who is a giant rattlesnake who lives in the school's vents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big chamber of secrets I, energy there. I, I also yeah. love, I love how all the characters have got human bodies apart from the one snake character. It's just like, nah, fuck it. He's just a snake. Like and, no... and a big snake at that that yeah that, uh, that as well. She's she is massive. she's unquestionably the most powerful character we've 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 met in in this this symbol of 
adult authority in their adolescent world is basically overwhelmingly powerful and there all the time. The bit I most enjoyed about her was the absolutely scenery-chewing performance by her VA, who was just absolutely loving it. Yeah. It's mm. like, oh, mm. oh, Lugoshi, you are such a magnificent <laughs> specimen. It's like... And that, she was just obviously having a whale of the t- time, just hamming up this voyeuristic rattlesnake. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Six Eyes also, like, simultaneously envy- envying and, like, resenting all of the other animal people for having like human bodies while also yeah. like marveling at his you know his particular physique and being like you know much like the Ruiz like you should use that body to fight her you know who murdered Tem and it, because you know <laughs> there, there's a there's a red herring that you know it's actually this creature that is doing the devouring but no that you know it's the opposite they are the ones trying to figure out who did it mm. it was very strange that she both seems to at times suggest that she does know who's done it or at least has a very strong idea but seems to have decided that Lagoshi needs needs to be the one who discovers it mm-hmm. and i think like that's kind of why he, he, this her she exists in this plot to push Lagoshi to because towards having the possibility of becoming the beast star through revealing the murderer. Well, the way I interpreted it, she can't say, oh, like, you know, I know you're going to be, I want you to be the next beast star, but she wants him to be, he's like betting yeah. his, her she, horses. She she thinks he's he's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Because she has so, so many hang-ups about her own physique, she thinks this, what should be the next beast star is someone who is physically perfect to her. But Lagoshi... As, as Jeff and Angie have both po- pointed out, absolutely is disgusted with his physique, with what it can do, and therein lies the conflict. To briefly we to briefly go over um, season two, Lugoshi goes back to school. Rui hasn't been found. Lugoshi is then asked to investigate the murder of Tem. You then find out that Rui is actually part of the Yakuza and is uh, sort of becoming the head of the Yakuza as sort of a... He's literally a figurehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figurehead. Like a, thank you. <laughs> um, which I think is kind of like a weird play on visual imagery because, like, one of the, one of the things you you would see like in a lot of things is like this deer head on the wall, and it mm. and like are they going to stuff him and put him on the wall and use him as a figurehead, or is is hit the live deer the thing they they yeah. want? So that's going on. Meanwhile, Lagoshi is trying to investigate the murder. Um, runs into the murderer who like really knocks the shit out of him he then tries to escape and gets trained by Gohin who is the um massive panda who sort of helps him in the red light district he then has sort of like a training arc which then jumps between Lagoshi and Gohin and then Lago- and then Rui and uh the Shishigumi shows sort of like their own rise to power as it were and their power struggles that they're having eventually Lagoshi then works out who murders Tem tries to confront him they get into a fight and then he goes to jail because he ate um Rui's foot then they then there's like a little scene at the end with Lugoshi and Haru which just feels like they're just back at square one my overall feelings of the the whole series was I enjoyed a lot of moments but the overall arc of all these characters kind of was self-defeating and maybe that was the point maybe the point is it's just like the end of the day doesn't matter what you do natural instincts are really what defines you but it it felt 
especially with Lagoshi's arc, it felt very pointless. That's not to say there wasn't a lot to enjoy, but I, I really felt that it, it was not as strong as season one. All right. So my grand unifying theory for B-Stars. And one thing I think is a remarkable uh, accomplishment of B-Stars in general is the creation of a genuinely novel social and biological dynamic with the mm. conflict of the herbivores and the carnivores because it's very tempting to try to match it one-to-one to race mm. or class or gender or sexuality and they it, it and it sort of works in a lot of ways for a lot of those things like there is a biological essentialism that makes it kind of weird to have it be a gender thing or a race thing or a class thing there's also a very tight relationship to you know sensuous inter you know intercourse of Lagoshi and Ruiz you know if I'm sure there's like a million slash fiction you know fanfics on AO3 about those guys because very obviously their dynamic is like like the sexual tension is real uh, in a way that him and Haru is you know left as this kind of like idealistic sexless sort of weird relationship whereas you know he he literally eats some of Rui's and then it powers him up and gives him the ability to overcome the the bear who describes his devouring of Tem in explicitly sexual and loving terms where like him killing and eating Tem was an act of love that was not only real but consensual in his mind Mm. I really like like the word devouring they use for mm-hmm. for, for these incidents it, it's like there's something to, to the cadence of it it's which, which works really well in terms of like lack of restraint to it like it's just a, consuming something com- with complete abandon and mm-hmm. um, which very much ties into to the the se- sexual metaphor mm-hmm. um, and but also ultimately i think it is kind of self-defeating because like sort of like similar to like vv where the the protagonists are like fundamentally inhuman and are dealing with fundamentally inhuman like difficulties same thing with this show where you have this dynamic that just does not exist in the real world being the primary motivator for all these things like on a like very deep and spiritual level for these characters like logoshi training himself to not desire meat while also like gaining power from the act of like eating any life. Like at one point he eats a a caterpillar and it's the first like live thing he's ever eaten. And it's this like, like mind altering life changing experience where he actually like communes with the spirit of the thing that he killed, which is an experience that this like beast society has like intentionally made like impossible to do and anybody who does actually partake in it ends up going nuts and has to get regulated either by Goheen, you know, who like will lock them up and rehabilitate them or, you know, getting just sort of like lost in the cracks of society and either killed or, you know, left to rot in the, in the gutters because it does it very effectively. It does it very effectively, but ultimately it very effectively explores the dynamic that just doesn't kind of exist in the real world. And so when you try to relate it to yourself and say like, you know, what did I get out of this? Like I primarily get like a profound respect for the writer of putting together this like very interesting and novel dynamic, but like emotionally, it leaves me kind of cold because 
you know, the things that they're going through are just not something that I can relate to. Even mm. if you can like sort of latch onto little bits of it. The the reveal of, of the how Thames murder happens is so mundane. It's just like uh, Lagoshi goes up to Grizz, the the bear, and goes, You killed Tem, didn't you? And he goes, mm, Yeah, I killed him. <laughs> it's, it's just like okay, fine, I guess that's 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 the reveal done. And that in that moment, it it, it is so, so anticlimactic because they're, they're shaping up to fight, and another character comes along and breaks it up, breaks up that development before they can actually throw down. And so we have to wait until the end of the series for that to actually happen. When we eventually get to the the flashback of of Grizz consuming uh, Tem, I, I think it's interesting that it's Riz, oh, I see. Okay, I've seen seen either way, but say Riz. Um, when we see when we see Riz eating um, Tem, the it's interesting that we're kind of until that point Tem's just been this abstract thing, like he's just the symbol of this crime, and instead we actually get some idea of of what how he contrasts to the other characters in this world how he contrasts to the people like haru and uh rui who also are herbivores living in a carnivore world where they are in constant fear and his mistake seems to be one of overindulging is like of thinking yeah i've i've pacified this person by telling him what he wants to hear and in fact that's led to him actually being in far worse trouble than he would have been otherwise. Um, mm. As Jeff said, like part of the problem with looking at Beastars and going, oh, eating is a one-to-one sex metaphor, is like things like this, you start to start to look at it and go, okay, are they victim-blaming Tem? Are they saying like he encouraged Riz to eat him? And I don't know. I think it's ultimately more alien than that. It's mm-hmm. there's something to it that, like Tem, we can't understand. We sh- and we shouldn't try and draw too much of our own experience of the world to do it, and just accept it as its own thing within the this universe. Thing you you mention about um, Tem and uh, Riz is that like the whole um, explanation and. Uh, sort of description and the way that that like the way that he is killed is all completely from Riz's point of view I don't buy a single thing of it like you you can go to so many sort of serial killer uh, you know confessions and they will like the way that they aggrandize it and they're doing any of it I think there's one split second during the first recap of the murder where it's just Tem in abject horror, just screaming and crying, and that is the truth. That's what happened. So, do you, what do you think of their relationship to that point? Is is that also there is a a very important aspect of Riz and Tem's relationship is that all animals. So in you know in the world of Beastar, you know any carnivore over a certain size has to take sort of body like it's like a, like a Harrison Bergeron kind of situation where they have to take drugs to like muscle yeah, like they have to take like drugs to like reduce their size, make them less powerful. And as Riz describes it, he says his relationship with Tem makes him want to be more his true self, which is to say to go off his medication. 
so that he can be more authentic with Tem. And that suppressor also is what makes him more dangerous and what ultimately leads him to kill uh, Tem. And something that's like, it's less uh, explicit, but also I think an interesting dynamic in the show that in within the carnivores, there's sort of a divide between the carnivore people who are based on wild animals and the carnivores who are based on domesticated versions of those animals. Like, Lagoshi is friends with a bunch of other canine creatures, specific, uh, you know, and especially Jack, who is like a mm. golden retriever, who is like a personified version of a domesticated animal that only exists because it was domesticated by humans. There is no like analog in this world. Mm. And there seems to be, you know, within this world, an effort to get the wild animals to domesticate themselves and that being, you know, sort of mentally and spiritually harmful to them, but being physically, you know, dangerous to everybody else if they don't do that, which is, again, something that doesn't really like unless you're like a really weird fucking like men's rights guy who is like our natural you know, place in the world is to be dominating and taking what we want. Like, I don't really think that that is where. The, you know, that's where the, you know, that's, I don't think that's the perspective of Beastars at all, but because it locks into this sort of like weird biological imperative where like even Lagoshi, who is like the most, you know, the most like herbivorous carnivore you can imagine still has this experience of this, like, you know, you know, this life changing experience of like eating the caterpillar. Like it's, it, it's it's not just like, you know, Riz is broken and he experienced it. It's that in this world, that's how carnivores experience devouring. And it is like, a, it's a social pressure to like rein that in and make them act more domesticated and act more human. And it's, it's, it's weird because there is no ultimate authority making them do this. It's the animals doing it to themselves to make themselves more human, which, you know, is again, it's very interesting. And like, it's a, is a cool like creative accomplishment but as like as a symbolic work it's like i'm not really sure what they're going for if they're going for anything beyond just i thought of this cool thing and this cool thought experiment so there is a lot in the manga especially like between chapters where she will draw draws like little bits about sort of the architecture of the school like i don't know whether you know it's especially when it's like haru and nagoshi sitting on in the fire escape Mm -hmm. Like, there's big stairs and little stairs for the yep. rodents. All of that stuff, like, she highlights. Uh, and it's really, like, really, really mm-hmm. well thought out. And I think, like, more than anything, it's just trying to show that people are messy and people are confusing and not everyone's... But, you know, nobody in season one ever brought up this as a friend of Thames. Whether that is something that is true or not, you don't... You, you We can only trust Riz's... Um, account yeah and lagoshi he actually brings up like we're first first introduced to tem as a friend of lagoshi but lagoshi actually comments himself this season that oh he probably actually wasn't really friends with him like he was just someone he knew mm-hmm. and wasn't that close and he's not doing this investigation because he wants to find out who the murder of tem is he's doing it because he wants to find out if he can have a relationship with haru which yeah, this doesn't that doesn't go well for him this season. Um Yeah, let's let's talk about sort of I mean, Lagoshi's arc. So it starts off with Lagoshi and Haru and as you said it, it 
it, it changes, I think, very dramatically. He starts off, like, in love with her. And I think he still does have a lot of love for her. But I think that that love has changed. I don't know how you guys feel. Like, Yeah, like... Haru to Lagoshi is this kind of like ideal like he like he hates everything about himself like on in his like mm. carnivore sense and she sort of represents mm-hmm. you know his salvation like if he can get himself to a place where he can be in a relationship with her he will have gotten rid of the things about himself that he hates and like I I I almost feel like this is like you know too dumb and flip but like he's almost like trans dietary where like he he like he physically <laughs> tra- like transitions to being a herbivore there is a uh, a a point where like him and the other carnivores are doing this sort of carnivore game where they do a tug of war with their jaws like the jaw strike this sort of like you know it you know it's basically it, it's literally a dick measuring contest and there is a a point like yeah, in the first season where they're like wow Lagoshi's jaw strength is like incredible like nobody wants to do this game with him but then he you know when he starts transitioning out of eating meat and like training his killer instinct away from him his jaw strength also decreases he his like his his fur falls out and he becomes he looks more like a dog and also like his limbs start changing and becoming more strong in the way that herd animals do because they you know they rely on their leg strength and their arm strength to survive, you know, whereas a carnivore, it's their jaw strength that defines them. And like he like he starts physically changing into, I, you know, to be more yeah. herbivorous. You know, part of his goal is that he wants to be in a relationship with Haru, but then he sort of like detransitions to be able to face Riz by, you know, by eating the bugs, by eating Rui's leg and turning back into the carnivore mm. and sort of re-embracing his true self. Mm. And, you know, but then, you know, he goes into Haru and is like, oh, you know, you know, like you were saying, he's basically back to square one. Like, mm. he, he, you know, he's, he's you know, he, that path is kind of closed to him and we're not really sure where it's going to go at this point. He feels a very relatable teenager in that he's very, he's so caught up in his inner doubts, he very re- rarely listens to what Haru's saying to him. Because, like, they have this, this, this scene where mm. they're sitting on the, the stairs Andy was talking about, her on the little steps, him on the big steps. And, and they're, they're talking, she's, like, telling him, like, I'd like to spend some time with a, a, a boy. And he's like, oh, well, uh, it can't be me. I'm not worthy of spending time with you. <laughs> and she's like... <laughs> Yeah. maybe you are and he's like no never and like I- but there's also indications then later on that she's maybe still playing the game a bit because there's a there's a bit when after Lagoshi like proposes to her uh, which is an amazing mm-hmm. scene like so yeah. funny so like left field that she she does then reduce like turns down a request from another senior just being like, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not in that game anymore. I'm gonna hold off. I found someone more interesting. I, also, one other thing, I don't think his hair falls off. He gets shaved, yeah, shaved. by Goheen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know we're getting off of this, but I, the thing I really annoyed, annoyed me and, and it's, it's sort of like this whole art with Goheen where he, he transitions, he, he's like, he says he changes his body, changes even the way he fights. That's so goes out the window so fucking quick with Riz. It's just like, what was the, even the point of all of that? With the butterfly, it felt sort of like this strata of animal, which was lower than a, a beast. It's just like an insect and it's insignificant, but it's significant to him because it's like a high source of protein. Uh, and then that caused him to 
to have this like this wild vision quest and then fight Riz and there's one scene where he just turns into butterflies and then like smacks him on the top of the head which was just like <laughs> what did that happen or was that just sort of like him saying like as metaphor of being like this is the power that I got from the fucking bugs. I don't really know. I think it. I, don't, I think it was less about him eating a bug as that him eating a living creature. Yeah. Like everything yeah. that he had eaten before was either like because he had never really eaten any of the meat from the from the the market, and he had certainly never eaten, like killed anything on his own. Like he had eaten eggs. He had eaten like they were like like in the first season. Like there was a big thing about how he loved like the the egg salad sandwiches <laughs> and like that was his primary source of protein and then you know he ate a living thing for the first time and he was like oh shit like this is a you know this is like a part of life that i've never experienced and like again you know you know, at, at some point i want to talk about the similarities between this itagaki's work and the other itagaki's work like baki the grappler and the weird like parallels <laughs> there right I mean, now would be the point to do so okay. jeff i think I, I am unaware of this other work. <laughs> so, all right. So, so Paru Itagaki, the mangaka of Beastars, is confirmed the daughter of Keisuke Itagaki, the mangaka of Baki the Grappler. Oh, and, I didn't know that. That's interesting. And, and what's also interesting is that Baki the Grappler is famously pre, uh, preoccupied with the conflation of fighting and sex. Uh, there is actually a, a whole book and a J-drama coming out this month about like a heavily queer reading of Baki the Grappler. But there's also uh, like like part of it, like, like like the weird sort of like spirituality of Baki the Grappler because it's not just about like punching and kicking it. Like it it sort of imagines a world where like all the fakes sort of like like our martial arts masters who were famous in like the eighties and nineties before all that got like wiped clean by the emergence of MMA and just like the exposure of all these other sort of like ancient spiritual masteries as being basically fake. And it was like, well, what if, what if it wasn't fake? What if sumo wrestlers like could train themselves to be the ultimate fighters? What if like Aikido was a real thing and you could like literally be a frail 60 year old man and just like flip (laughs) a seven foot tall, like, muscle chat you know over with like zero effort if you were like you know powerful enough and there is a like and there's actually like there there is a character jack hammer who his whole thing is that he's got his big jaw strength and there is you know and like you know he like you know he'll eat a t-bone steak as and and the bone in the middle too just as like part of his training and I wonder how, like, growing up the daughter of the guy who has spent 30 years writing about, like, a father and son dynamic that is, like, heavily, heavily, heavily Freudian. And, like, and, you know, about, you know, this, you know, this son whose father looms over him and no matter how powerful he you know, and how accomplished he is, like, there is this other just kind of, like, strongest creature on Earth that is impossible for them to compete with and how that sort of translates into being, you know, you know, having this Titan looks like, like Bucky is a weird manga, but it is a big one. Mm. And it is an important one. And being the daughter of that person has to have some kind of effect on your work. Mm. And I, I, 
the the some of the themes that the that B stars grapples with of like you know i want to have my i want to strike my own path but also there is this kind of like undeniable you know biology at play here that i can't deny yeah and i was going to say like it's interesting that you do bring up that because there is uh, a direct parallel with rui and his arc in the second season uh, especially when he does confront his adopted father and it does feel that way it feels that like louis accepting this yakuza job was to sort of upset and cause um an emotional stir or any sort of like reaction from his father who you see very briefly his father is not phased by anything that he does even when he pulls a gun on him it, it was a very sort of emotional but strange but again alienating scene that i, I think like because not one single thing rep- has a direct parallel with the with like what we could relate to it means that you can ju- you you have your free reign to interpret however it is you want that no other show does nearly as well. It's interesting we we never find out the name of um, Rui's dad. He's he's just this figure, mm. just this monolithic head of a company who is who when we're introduced to him in season one is just this guy who walks into the carnival district unafraid, who by the construct of the corporation around him is more powerful than these individuals his sort of collective might is more than their individual might and Rui is kind of dealing with how he both respects his father and just can't stand like the hypocrisy of that Mm. and how like he sees what Carnivore's do is somehow more honest than what his father does that his father's power is somehow more corrupt and more dirty than what they do obviously Uri's name I, I has always assumed is a play on the, the, the sort of word red and like he's a, a red deer and like when you look at his 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 father like it's interesting that his dad is a dark red deer whereas Rui is still kind of like a little pale and like he he's still not quite the real thing as much as he may strut and may pretend to and he may make these big decisions he's still not quite there like his dad had like this one line which i just was is probably my favorite line in the whole series which was he described Rui's pulling the gun on him as a foolish act but a good improvisation which was just like (laughs) oh yes that's good 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 you are a good good villain i I like you sit in your chair and and i don't think he's a villain but also then also nicely neatly like folds in the fact that he is just from the drama club and how much of this is his actual feelings and how much of this is just him like using his acting training to sort of be imposing do you think like the fact that they are in a drama club is significant or do you think that's kind of faded from view now apart from one nice little scene uh post um murder revelation we had like a, a sweet episode of everyone can actually get along the drama club seems to kind of exist to to refute the the idea that harmony is impossible mm. like <clears throat> that it gives them a, a, a literal stage where they can act out these problems they have in a more safe environment but when Rui starts acting those things out in the the real world and where the ripples of those are unconfined that's when they start causing problems I mean yeah probably I hadn't really thought about that you never really get a feeling that Nagoshi ever really wanted to be in the club 
he just found himself in the club and you don't really know or need to know why because he's just a stagehand it feels like they they gave him that as a sort of an effect uh, early on it's like uh, he's, he's so shy he puts others in the spotlight and it's then okay well i've got this drama club i may as well use it let's let's make some hay out of this yeah but let's we're getting off um Haru's a bit too yeah, much yeah. so let's just talk a bit about him and uh, ibuki his um, uh, adopted father within the Shishigumi, the Lion Mafia. <laughs> to me, that was sort of the the other constant that was going through the second arc was his relationship with Ibuki, who at first it was naturally fear because he was just like, you're just using me and then you're going to kill me. And then actually, it's the other way around. Ibuki is, is protecting him and, and generates a, a familial and sort of another love um for Rui it feels like it was a figurehead at first but then Ibuki like buys into it so much there's definitely a love there that is familial and um sort of father son if I don't I know you guys watched the the music video of the ending song is a longer cut of the ending credits which has a deeper sort of it does sort of hint at the relationship that they're in but actually like I thought the ending credits the extended version shows their relationship and their love a lot more. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Like, the way that he looks at him... I was fine with it being implicit rather than having to be spelled out. <laughs> yeah. But that's just just me to an extent. No, I, I, I would agree. I think, yeah, like, I think the, uh, the, the... The Shishigumi trying to, you know, at first using Rui's, you know, maybe self-deceiving, you know, self-deceivingly as like, oh, we're going to use him as a figurehead to make ourselves more uh presentable and more influential and then you know his presence actually bettering the group is sort of like an aspect of that like you know because like the shishigumi are like explicitly like they are carnivores they are you know they want to eat meat they want to kill people to eat them but this has also made them outcasts and ruiz is you know, very similar to Lagoshi in that he hates his own herbivoreness and wants to be more like a carnivore. And part of his initiation into the gang is that he begins eating meat like they do. And it, you know, it has like the opposite effect on him as it does on Lagoshi of like eating meat from a live person in that it is like, it is like intensely physically disgusting and painful to him where like, you know, he will, you know, be with his crew and he will eat like, a bit of meat and then he will like sort of stoically go back to his office and then throw up into a wastebasket discreetly. And Ibuki like realizes that like, you know, we are using him to sort of, you know, domesticate and rehabilitate ourselves, but he is trying to like meet us halfway. And he, you know, Ibuki like actually goes out and buys him a, a salad and says like, you know, this is the first time I've ever bought, you know, vegetables and you know Ruiz is, is, is still trying to reject it it's like no I don't want this you know this is a sign of weakness you know you this is a trick and he's like no no like we need you to be healthy like you're not eating like you can't eat what we eat like it is a physical impossibility it doesn't matter how much you like intellectually reject yourself there is still a biological imperative to eat something like this so please do it and don't let yourself die and the like the the extended ED sort of shows Ibuki's conflict with his own sort of like inner carnivore. Like it shows him like sort of, you know, stroking the 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 teeth of the giant tiger skull in his 
in his dreams and then like you know Rui sort of like freeing him from that and then him sort of resigning himself to that when he realizes that you know I, I i can't you know i'm not strong enough to fight this and you know free who he like he tells like he gives free a gun and says if i ever lose myself around the boss and try to eat him i want you to kill me and it, he almost like you know he almost commits suicide, you know, by attacking him in Freed's presence so that he will be killed by him because he knows he could, he isn't going to be able to. He isn't he like he has he, he basically has to push Ruiz out. And the only way that he could do it is by showing him that, like, you're you, you are different from us. Like, we want to use you to make us better, but we can't like I, I refuse to, like, allow you to destroy yourself for our benefit. And like you were saying, like, it is definitely, there is like an act of love there. And I think, you know, Ruiz to Ibuki is very similar to like Lagoshi and Haru, where like Haru just wants to like be friends slash, you know, girl, boyfriend, girlfriend with Lagoshi, whereas Lagoshi sees her as this kind of like spiritualized ideal where like, if I can be with you, then I am who I want to be. Similarly, like, you know, Ruiz, I guess like, like Ruiz and like, has the same sort of uh, situation with the the Yakuza where it's like, if I can hang with these guys, I could be who I want to be. But there is still just like something in the way. And it's not until Lagoshi and Ruiz finally get back together at the end of the second season to overcome Riz that they're able to sort of like arrive in the middle of like, you know, I will eat you and then you will gain power. You know, I will gain that power to defend these other aspects of ourselves that we hate mm. sort of, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just not sure what uh, Ruiz submitting himself to be eaten does for his character growth. Um, I think the the interesting thing is, yeah, Ibuki realizing that Rui is destroying himself, and then also that his he wants he wants Rui to be free, and he wants him to live on. So the only way he can get out is by leaving the Shishigumi, which he is not going to do. So his self sacrifice. It's really tragic. It just is another one of these sort of things in Beastars, which is like, there's a lot of tragedy that really like unpins some of the, like their great relationships. It, the, the, the fundamental relationship being so alien to human yeah. experience somewhat undermines it, you know, even though it but. is like a tremendous creative, <laughs> like, like achievement of being able to tie this together. So interestingly, it still has that weird, like, uncanniness under I, it I that... don't, again I, I don't think it undermines it if anything i think it it's what keeps you watching is the fact that there are so like for for us we got family from other people you you would have you maybe you gotten some abuse you, they were all there and not any one of them at any point really felt like they outshone the other one uh i don't think it diminishes from the show at all what i do think diminishes from the show is the fight that happens at the end. Rui has no interest in Riz and does not give two fucks about the murder. Like, that has been very clear. Lagoshi is is obviously very invested in the murder. And to me, this final fight is, is the biggest slip-up for season two. A change in pace is fine, a change of tone is fine, but the way that it's done where where it's it's like there's no trickery like there's no trickery there's there's nothing special about it it's literally like a grizzly bear just beating the shit out of a guy who has spent ages training it's like what was the point of any of that training 
what was the point of doing any of it? Because then at the end, he also becomes a ridiculously strong, like, joke of a muscle freak by eating Rui's, Rui's leg to be able to give him the power to fight Riz. Riz then sees that as the perfect love between a herbivore and a carnivore because Rui has openly given him the ability to eat his curse, which is another thing that we don't really get it. We haven't really delved in too much. Like the idea that he is a, he originally was to be sold as meat. He has a four tattooed on his, the, his foot. And so I guess there's some way of Rui saying, eat my leg and remove me from my past. But then that goes against everything that Lagoshi was doing up to that point. I just felt that it undermined everything that they were trying to do with season two. And I really hated it. I don't know how you guys mm-hmm. feel about it. I, there's a lot in there that I know I've said where I'm thinking like, oh, maybe that was the point. But even if that was the point, I don't like the point. <laughs> yeah, I think like to a certain extent, that fight more than anything else in the show is them like experimenting with the weird made up mechanics of the world <laughs> rather than it being yeah. a metaphor. It, it, it's like Dragon Ball where it's like, you know, eating Rui's leg is the equivalent of like Goku training and he and he literally like you know his hair stands up on end he gets this, bigger and stronger from eating the meat and it's I swear like he's like shaved and then bam yeah. his hair's back and i'm just like like when he shaved that off that was him sort of being like this is the inner self that i've always had and you've always been able mm-hmm. to see but now that's me purely me like mm-hmm. and and i felt that then the muscle stuff was I just really hated it. Yeah, like that 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 is like the like the eating metaphor just standing on its own stripped of all other uh all of our symbolism mm. and it's just like this is just, you know, this is how we're wrapping this up. This is us like sort of mm. just talking about this thing in this world. At its best, it's very interesting, but like it it fails to stand up on its own as being a relatable thing. It's just this like weird weird magic in the show. I think you actually nailed it on the head there. It is it is that thing of you can you can put your own mind and imply what you want from it, but then as soon as that fight happens, it is so literal. Like, why did he even go mm. to the fight? He could have phoned the fucking police and said, "I know who the murderer is. It's Riz. He's underneath. Uh, he's underneath a bridge because I told him I'm going to meet him there." And also, he hasn't been taking his meds. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they sort of cover that to a hand wavy degree in having. Um, uh, but that's only true to Riz even. Like, Lagoshi can smell him and knows he's nearby and is okay. And so it's it's literally only Riz who's fooling himself into thinking Lagoshi couldn't call the cops on me because I've got got this leverage on him. Like, Lagoshi knows he could call the cops. Lagoshi knows the other guy's fine. And yet Lagoshi decides to eat his mate's leg. The sight of blood for a lot of the herb- the carnivores sets you off in a sort of frenzy I think I think that was kind of what he was hoping Lagoshi would do. Yeah, I I agree I agree with with you and Jeff that it was kind of a strange conclusion to considering where we had been previously because if, even if you just look at us at, at the two characters like they're they're both their sort of inciting incidents are around devouring. In Riz's case, he devours Tem. In Lagoshi's case, he wants to devour Haru, and that's where both of their journeys start and where and in both cases as as Jeff said when we're shown what happens to Tem there's this 
um, sexual um, overtones to it. And that may well just be from how Riz sees it. But we're showing that Lugoshi is struggling with questioning whether it's sex or devouring he feels towards Haru. And like, there's this scene I, I like early, early on in the season where he's sitting around with all the other carnivores af- and they're they want to know what happened in the hotel with the rabbit girl or Lagoshi. Tell us, Lagoshi. It, it was strange because that was the, the one moment where I started to think, oh, might it be the bear? Because the one person who doesn't seem to give a damn about teenage carnivore equivalent of sex is, is this bear who just seems strangely uninterested. Like he might have already know what's, what that sort of thing is. And so you've got this thing which has been like the core thing to both of them and we end up with just like i don't know you get the wrong thing it didn't power you up you did i don't know like the idea of consent and of Rui consenting to have his his leg eaten just feels a stretch because as as jeff said like consent in sex and consent of having your air leg eaten are two entirely different <laughs> things one one is is not hopefully for most people a something which leads you crippled for the rest of your life um i guess this this is where the the other the other sort of sticking point for me of that whole situation is because it, it's it's explained uh early on commonly um carnivores will rip off limbs of herbivores but technology have gotten to the point where that's not a big problem because they can just make another limb for that character. So for me, well, they they reattach it. They don't just they don't just oh, like they reattach throw it. it. Yeah, okay, then, yeah, yeah, never yeah, mind. Yeah. But if there happened to be, let's say, another deer who had a a, a yeah. his his foot cut off, I'm sure Ruse could end up with another foot. Which is a thing. That's, yeah. a, that's a Baki thing. Like there's a guy who gets his arm blown up and eaten, and another guy who dies, and they attach his arm to it, and then also he has like a liquid snake thing where like his, like the the personality of the guy who owned the arm will like take over the other guy's mind and body. Oh. Can, I, can I can I make my my like like prediction for series three? Breeze is gonna get a carnival first. <laughs> He's gonna be half carnival, half carnival. Just, that's, that's such a horror trope. You, you, someone gets a heart transplant, and the personality of the heart takes over. So he gets a carnivore foot, and so he gets the carnivore urges. Turns into this weird yeah. carnivore deer thing. Actually, I, I'd like to see that drawing, like carnivore yeah, deer. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> so then, I mean, after that fight with you, you just have a very short. You have like a like a, a fast forward, as it was, of what feels like a couple of months, where Lagoshi and Riz both go to jail. Like, obviously, why Riz goes to jail because he murdered Tem and he admits it. But then for Lagoshi, Lagoshi admits to eating Rui's leg. And Rui's like, yep, he ate my leg. And then they're like, well, you're, you're going to jail too for some reason? Because for, for, I think eating meat, cause eating meat is a... It's, it's still tabo- a societal yeah. taboo. It's, it, Riz is in jail. He's like, the end of his arc is kind of him accepting it was murder. Yeah, him finally accepting that what he did wasn't this wonderful thing that it was actually this horrific thing and he needs to to pay for it but he seems to come to that conclusion through seeing the seeing the opposite of it, it of it. and we, we are t- kind of told like while Riz Lagoshi and um, Riz may understand the wonderfulness of 
this act of sharing between um, Ruiz and Lagoshi. Society doesn't, because society still thinks, you crazy wolf, you ate that deer's leg. You go into jail. Yeah. Um, and so he goes to jail. And then we have this little conversation between him and Haru. Like, it only seems to exist to me just to, to establish that Haru hasn't gone, holy shit, he ate his leg. I ain't going near him again. Like, Haru's strangely fine with the fact her friend ate another friend's leg. And I think, I think the other thing is it also just cements what what uh Lugoshi's gonna do now, which is to just just not go to school again. She does like three times through season two, I swear. Uh and then he he goes, I'm just gonna go start working. Like this is how the manga also adapts it. So I was curious because it was so weird and final but not final. Like that is how the manga happens. It's just very dissatisfying for so many reasons because you are with this arc of like Lagoshi and Rui doing different things, being the opposite of the B star, like uh and then they they meet finally in a confrontation which is a bit confusing and then it all gets a bit shit. Apparently the manga goes downhill from there. So maybe it's also just a case of they can just end it. Season 3 has been confirmed, by the way. Well, fine. <laughs> we'll just see how the manga falls down. We'll do another tween on it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was messy. But I, I still have hope that season 3 will be still well worth a watch. Because I think in the end, like, they say never to mix your metaphors. But I think Beastars is kind of proof that you can mix your metaphors and still have an entirely enjoyable experience. To me, I think the funniest thing about B-Stars is you know when a character is not important because that character is hand-drawn, which is the exact opposite from all other anime, where you know that person's not important because he's a CG character. With this, it's not the case. The B-Stars CG is beautiful and emotive in ways that I really do think elevates the animation to a point where I can be like, okay, I can see why you've decided to do decided to do uh, CG animation as opposed to hand-drawn animation. Because the little tales in Lagoshi, the way he subtly wags his tail when he sees Haru, or it's beautiful. Like, those sort of small emotions and, and those small tales, they really push that. The, the, the split cuts that they love to do where they show two different people walking down and showing both of their emotions as they're talking. Like, that is... That is some incredible detail work that I absolutely adored. This will be an extremely strange analogy to make, but for me, Beastars is essentially the Muppets Christmas Carol of uh, its particular uh, animation medium. Like, the Muppets Christmas Carol is like one of my favorite, mm. f- generally f- favorite films, just standalone. Like, I think it's an, uh, like one, one of the best versions of Dickens there is. And it's done with puppets. And yet they express emotion in these incredibly articulate ways, which you just don't imagine they would be able to. And Beastars does the same. It takes this medium we've only really seen as clunky and emotionless, and which previously we've talked about the same studio, Studio Orange, actually exploiting those um, qualities in Land of the Lustrous, of exploiting the fact that you have something which is still and hard and shiny and, like, (laughs) then moving on to literal furries. Um, That's no small achievement. I, I do wonder if, like... The fact that you can anthropomorphize gives you more levers to pull. Like the fact that you can have um, Lagoshi wagging his tail, or you can have ears which you can 
manipulate more obviously gives them these little extra signs they can use but it's it's remained strong and it's i don't think it was a particular Mm. upgrade of season one but it's still the same um very strong storytelling and character portrayals um I just want to say, yeah, like, I mean, obviously we've spoken for about two and a half, two hours now, um, but we edited down to an hour, I've uh, been promised. But it, like Beastars is, remains one of the few shows that you can just hold up and be like, you know, this is incredible. This is this is why we watch anime, because this exists. Uh, and I'm really grateful that it sort of got the deserved transition that it actually has uh so yeah um i suppose that's all if you have any questions thoughts comments or um you know like disagreements with what we've been saying there's there's so much to be stars i feel that we have definitely missed out a lot of um a lot of plot points and a lot of other themes especially i mean just thinking about it now we, we never even touched Legoshi's sort of pacifism in the middle of that riz fight which was very strange um like the please email us at uh, keyframespodcast at gmail.com um if you liked it please share rate and subscribe and uh tell a friend oh i can't even do my own fucking bit someone else has to do it now <laughs> not just any friend but one that you might like to eat as well <laughs> and maybe fuck <laughs> <laughs> why not uh, both <laughs> So, on that note, uh, see you next time. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. We could probably do a, a whole hour, if not more, discussion on this show. It will not be more, so it will not be more. <laughs> Time constraints mean it will not be more. Um, but yeah. No, <clears throat> editing means it will not be more. <laughs> I assure you of this. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll hold you to that. I'll know when that's not the case because this will be cut out. <laughs> <laughs> I win either way, Andy. That's the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>